News Talk 1110-993-WBT, The Pete Callender Show, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The first bus filled with illegal migrants from Texas arrived in Washington, D.C. about 8 a.m. yesterday morning. The passengers were uh, not from Mexico, actually, but from Colombia, Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. They were apprehended at Del Rio, Texas. The illegal migrant group included both single individuals and family units. Officials were waiting for them and checked them in. The passengers were wearing wristbands, which were then cut off, and they were then free to go. Now what? Well, that's the problem for the people in Washington, D.C., namely the Biden administration and lawmakers, right? The illegals that were dropped off several blocks away from the Capitol. Who will be surprised to see some activist open uh, open border group try to take advantage of the opportunity to parade the illegals around Capitol Hill and get the media's attention, right? Karen Townsend, hotair.com, says, rest assured that an attempt will be made to guilt those of us who demand border security and protection of the sovereignty of the United States. Expect it. We'll see how vulnerable Democrats up for re-election in 2022 react now that several of them are running away from Biden and his decision to lift the enforcement of Title 42 along the southern border. Uh, Title 42 is the, uh, the measure that Donald Trump put in place during the pandemic that would allow them to um, limit immigration. Right, it was a public health authority. It was invoked by President Trump. It's under well, Title Forty Two of the Code. It limits immigration. Um, Biden is set to end it on May twenty third. He's already said he will. And the Department of Homeland Security is now prepping for somewhere in the neighborhood of about eighteen thousand daily crossings to occur. A complete overwhelming of the border. Governor Greg Abbott down in Texas coming under fire from some Republicans for his enhanced border security measures. Not just the White House. Not just Jen Psaki, who called the bus dropping off the the unauthorized immigrants to D.C. She called it a publicity stunt. Ken Cuccinelli, also not a big fan of this effort. Writing at The Federalist, he's also now... um, with the Center for Renewing America, he called the approach window dressing. And he said he should uh, treat the Biden border crisis as an invasion. Cuccinelli said that Abbott's plan may be an aggressive one, but it falls short and will not stop the invasion of illegal immigrants. And since Abbott cannot just bust people away from the border without their permission, Cuccinelli likens the move as sending illegals on a vacation at taxpayer expense. Price of gas is high. He says they should instead just be sent back to the border. Bussing them to D.C. is nice showmanship, but does nothing to change the illegal flow into Texas. See, at some point, the rule of law does break down. It already is. I mean, we're seeing it. What do you think illegal immigration is? It's a breakdown in the rule of law. So the you've heard the adage, I'm sure, uh, when, when it comes to uh, preference cascades, you know, preference cascade. So the, the adage is slowly at first, but then very quickly, 
But I'm sure you've heard that slowly at first, but then very quickly. It's uh, it's sort of the slippery slope argument, right? At first, you're you just kind of start inching your way down. You're kind of going down very slowly, and then oh my gosh, I'm down! Right, right down the side of the mountain. Right, that's how that goes. That's a preference cascade. Slowly at first, but then very quickly. And what we're watching is a breakdown in rule of law. And right now we're at the at first very slowly phase. I suspect we are approaching the but then very quickly phase. And I have no idea what that's going to look like, by the way. But you will have states like Texas and others that will start asserting control over the border. And it doesn't matter what the Supreme Court said about whose job it is and who can do what and all that. They're not going to care. The problem will become so great that they will ignore the lawyers in the robes telling them that they can't act. Cuccinelli wants border states to declare that an invasion is taking place in Texas under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution, and that in light of the Biden administration's willful negligence and dereliction of its duty to carry out its Article 4, Section 4 responsibilities to protect the states, that Texas will physically apprehend and remove illegal border crossers back across the border into Mexico. By the way, Remembering, and I am old enough to remember this, when Donald Trump got impeached, uh, I think it was, was it the first time? Yeah, I think it was the first time. Over the phone call, right, with the Ukraine. Do you think Republicans don't file impeachment charges against Biden for refusing to secure the border? If we start seeing 18,000 people a day coming across the border, because, I mean, do the math on that. There's no way you can keep up with that. On a daily basis, there's no way you can have enough facilities. There's no way you can build enough cages to put all of the children in. There's just no. I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. No, no, Trump did that. It's actually Obama with all the pictures. But no, no, no. It's different. See, they're different cages than, uh, than Trump has. Biden has kinder, gentler cages for the children. The separation from the uh, uh, from their families is a kinder, gentler separation, don't you see? So at some point, though, does the do these states and do the Republicans in Congress, if they win back control, do they move to try to impeach Biden for refusing to do his job that he swore an oath to do, which is to protect America? Right, to guard the country. And you're not guarding the country. When you're letting 18,000 people a day in, I mean, think about 18,000 a day. After 10 days, you're somewhere approaching, or maybe, all right, so we'll call it two weeks. Sorry, I was doing math on the fly here. I apologize. But let's say around, so after two weeks of this policy, we can expect a quarter of a million arrivals. A quarter of a million. After two weeks. So after a month, we're at half a million. Two months, we're at a million. That's the annual intake. In two months, we're expecting to see as many migrants than we see in an entire year. When does that stop? By the way, Democrats, you might want to rethink this, considering the topic that I covered in the last hour about how all of the Hispanic voters are now starting to vote Republican. Just a heads up, you might want to consider it, maybe for your own future.
News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So Governor Greg Abbott down in Texas implemented this vehicle inspection system on the border, and he got criticized heavily by uh, the Texas Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller, another Republican, who was warning of $2 lemons and $5 avocados. Yeah, uh, millennials hardest hit. If the supply chain is further slowed down due to traffic backups at ports of entry, farmers and wholesalers are concerned about product spoilage as well. It's going to increase the cost of food by adding to uh, supply chain shortages. They're talking about delays of up to three days. Angry truck drivers are protesting the long waits. So um, this guy Miller, uh, what was his first name again? Sid. Sid. Texas Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller calls for Abbott to support lawsuits, lawsuits against Joe Biden over the president's uh, promise to rescind Title 42 and open the border back up to roughly, as is estimated, 18,000 new illegal unauthorized immigrants every single day. Here's the problem, though. Lawsuits take time. Lawsuits take time. Even on a fast track, they take time. And seems like Governor Greg Abbott is done. Seems like he's done. Now, maybe it's PR. Uh, maybe it's the right thing to do. Maybe it's a little bit of both, right? It could be a little from column A and a little from column B. He is done waiting on the feds to do their job. That's what I mean by slowly at first and then very quickly. Um, at some point, the rule of law starts breaking down along, along those lines. The L.A. Times has this story. More than a dozen Los Angeles gangs are targeting some of the city's wealthiest residents in a new and aggressive manner, sending out crews in multiple cars to find, follow, and then rob people driving high-end vehicles or wearing expensive jewelry. In some cases, suspects have been arrested and then released from custody, according to the police, only to commit additional robberies. Those are among the conclusions of a Los Angeles Police Department task force convened at the end of last year to identify the cause of a sudden surge in what they call follow-home robberies or follow-off robberies. So-called because victims are robbed soon after leaving luxury boutiques, hotels, ritzy restaurants, trendy nightclubs, other locations where the gangs are scouting for targets. According to Captain Jonathan Tippett, who spearheads the task force, police have identified at least 17 gangs, most based out of South Los Angeles. They're operating independently, but 17 gangs involved. There were 165 such robberies in 2021 and 56 so far this year. Tippett did not say how many robberies police attributed to which gangs, but said individuals allegedly affiliated with the Bloods and the Crips have all been identified among the culprits. Police have identified crews, according to the L.A. Times' Kevin Rector. Police have identified crews 
rolling three to five cars deep in some of these attacks, with gang members jumping out and blindsiding victims. Can you imagine you get out of a department store, and as you walk out the door, five vehicles roll up to your position, the people jump out and just start beating you and t- and robbing you? Because that's what's going on now. And it's happening in our wealthiest communities in Los Angeles, so now crime is real. Quote, there's no chance or opportunity for the victims even to comply. They're just running up to people, attacking them, whether it's putting a gun in their face, punching them, beating on them, pistol whipping them. In some cases, police determine the gang members inside the high-end venues that they operate as the spotters. For those on the outside, alerting them when wealthy targets were heading out. Shots have been fired in 23 cases, and two people have already been killed in these types of follow-home robberies or follow-off robberies. They just, they're having a hard time figuring out what's prompting it, though. They just don't know. The intense focus now, though, has some people concerned. It has caused some consternation among actors and criminal justice reform advocates who worry that wealthy residents with political clout and politicians eager to please them will use the trend based in part on uh, on fraught and sometimes false police assessments of gang involvement that that these rich people and the politicians are going to use these things to claw back past policing reforms. Interesting. So you're worried that the reforms you advocated that you won might get rolled back because of the wave of violence. Interesting. Is there a connection? Are you saying that the wealthy and the politicians, that that, that they would be incorrectly targeting your reforms as the culprit? Or... Are they correctly identifying those reforms that you wanted to see as connected to the rise in these types of crimes? I think somebody might want to ask them that question. Uh, Definitely not the L.A. Times, according to this article. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Los Angeles, more than, or at least identified as at least 17 gangs based out of South Los Angeles operating independently involved in what they, uh, what the police are calling follow home or follow off robberies, where the gang members target victims leaving luxury boutiques or hotels, restaurants, nightclubs. They'll position somebody inside the establishment, target somebody, that person, they act as a spotter. They then alert their fellow gang members who then uh, roll up on the victim after they leave the premises and they jump them. Don't even, they do not care what you have to say. They will jump out. They pile out of three to five cars. They attack you, beat you, take all your stuff, and then jump in the cars and drive away. This is what Los Angeles is now experiencing. But 
some of the jail reform activists are very, very concerned that some of their reforms that they have worked so hard to pass, which have nothing to do with the rise in crime they're seeing there, I'm sure, but they're very concerned that the reforms are going to get unwound. They're going to get repealed because having nothing at all to do with any of the rise in crime rates, obviously it would just be an overreaction from those wealthy, probably white people, you know? One prominent activist named Hamid Khan accused the Los Angeles Police Department of, quote, week after week of sensationalism about crime in the city, suggesting that police are blowing crime trends out of proportion in order to maintain their grip on the city's budget. Quote, LAPD has to constantly legitimize itself, constantly has to make itself useful to the community by raising the specter of people running wild. All right, well, are people running wild? In a four-week period, from September to October, four weeks, there were 45 follow-off robberies. So four weeks, 45 robberies. So that's about 10 a week. My math on that correct? Roughly 10 a week. I'm not so good with the mathing and the ciphering, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and just guess. That's at least one a day, is it not? Four weeks. It's uh, four weeks is uh, seven times seven times. Yeah, times two. So that's. It's like 28 days, four weeks, 28 days, 45 in 28. Yeah, that's just about two a day, actually. Hmm. Not running wild. What would running wild look like? See, these, that's the question I would ask this. Uh, what do they call him here? A uh, prominent activist. So prominent activist, Khan is your name. It's a little on the nose. Um, prominent activist, Khan. You say that uh, LAPD, in its effort to legitimize itself and soak up all the city budget uh, and uh, trying to convince the uh, the community that it is useful, that they are raising this specter of people running wild. So what is the number that would indicate people are running wild? Would it be three a day? Ten a day? A hundred? What's the number exactly? Because at some point, right, you would acknowledge that you get to a level where people are, quote, running wild. I'm just curious if you have a number. Uh, L.A. Commissioner Dale Bonner last week said discussions about individual, quote, career criminals have been misused by politicians to stoke fear in the community and advance questionable criminal justice initiatives in the past and that the current discussion should not fail to recognize that. I, uh, all right. I think everybody knows anybody who pays attention to criminal justice and crime and uh, criminal justice reform efforts, even the homeless uh, situation, sorry, the houseless situation, uh, even that has a component in it, which is this. There is a very, very small minority of offenders who commit a wildly disproportionate number of the crime. It's in virtually all categories, okay? Virtually all categories. And so you usually hear at some point in these discussions, usually coming from the 
reformers that they don't want you to uh, create policies or reactions that uh, impact all of these other people that, you know, they're not having lots of run-ins with the law. It's just, you know, one or two charges once in their life. It's not, you know, they're, they're not habitual offenders. They're not career criminals. And we really need to focus on the career criminals, right? So let's not, let's not cast the net too widely. And that is, uh, that is a tactic. That argument is a tactic. Because what you often find out, and our laws reflect this with the efforts to turn people loose out of the jails as well, which is they're not actually interested in keeping the repeat offenders in jail either, right? Because if they would just say, look, we have identified, let, uh, for the numbers, let's just say uh, 10% of all of the criminals uh, that are charged, all charged Defendants, let's say, everybody who, who faces charges, let's say 10% of them are actual repeat offenders. These are, you know, career criminals. And if we say, okay, well, let's say after you get arrested, for the sake of math, let's say 10 times, after you pick up your 10th arrest, you shouldn't really be let back out because you've obviously proven an inability to coexist in society without breaking laws, right? So let's say we don't turn you loose. Oh, no, no, you can't do that. No, no, can't do that. They have to be able to bail out just like everybody else. So the reformers don't actually want to see these reforms to an extent where, yes, you are minimizing the, uh, the long-term negative impacts on people who just made a mistake. There's no balance on the other side of that with, making sure that the people who are engaged in lifelong criminal activity, habitual offenders, as uh, Keith Larson used to call them, repeat, 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 repeat offenders. We know who these people are. We literally have their names. We do. We literally have their names. We've got all sorts of information on them. Their age, their uh, uh, race, their social security numbers. We got all all sorts of information. I think in a lot of cases we got blood samples from them. I know. It's crazy. When you get arrested as many times as some of these people do, we have all sorts of information. So we have a pretty good idea if they're going to be more likely or not uh, to uh, end up back in jail. So maybe we start looking at that population. How about that? And you reformers can keep letting loose everybody else under the, you know, the premise that, you know, COVID is killing everybody. But how about we focus on making sure that the guys who shoot, you know, who, who shoot rifles at cops? How about how about we keep them in jail? And look, this isn't really against the uh, uh, the sheriff's office. Obviously, they're just the detention center. I'm talking about the judges. You guys got to start throwing out judges. It's got to start happening. And if and seriously, if you guys are not well and you guys, I'm talking about Democrat voters. You have to start voting out Democrat judges. And until that happens. This doesn't get better. That's really the that's really the problem. I would like to throw it all in the DA, but most of it goes to those judges. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Did you hear about this story out of Greenwood, South Carolina? About uh, the bank robbery suspect. Uh, authorities say that they captured a suspect in a bank robbery after he was recognized a short time later. He was a 50-year-old guy 
suspected of robbing a Wells Fargo Bank branch last week in Greenwood. And apparently somebody recognized him at a strip club in the upstate. So, like, I guess, what, did he get a lot of ones during the robbery? Is that what happened? Or did he, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot to, I pulled the plug on that. But, uh, no, did he get Did he get a lot of ones? Also, kind of burying the lead that the big story here is that uh, somehow somebody saw another person at the strip club. That never happens. You never see, that's so I'm told. I have friends that tell me these things. Anyway, um, then there's this other story right up the road in, uh, this is out of Greenville. I believe this is Greenville. Yeah, Greenville Police Department. Yeah, because, uh, uh, sorry, I'm just reading this uh, Charlotte Observer piece where it says it ha- it's happening in Greenville, about 100 miles northwest of Columbia. Why would you center it to Columbia? I don't know. Anyway, multiple instances of a man hitting pol- uh, hitting people in the face with plates of whipped cream have been reported in upstate South Carolina. Police are taking the matter very seriously. It's happening in Greenville. Again, about 100 miles northwest of Columbia. (laughs) And irreverent social media commenters have taken to calling the culprit the Cool Whip Bandit and a serial whipped creamer. 2.30 p.m., Uh, Yesterday at the Main Street Bridge, Greenville police say a woman was walking on the sidewalk, pushing her child in a stroller when a man hit her in the face with a plate of whipped cream. There have been multiple incidents of this occurring today. They say they have a person of interest. They're sharing a photo of a guy appearing to be holding a plate of whipped cream in one hand and a can of whipped cream in the other. But, But that doesn't mean he's a suspect. It's just a picture of a guy with a with like a pie crust plate in one hand filled with whipped cream, the can of whipped cream in his other hand. At the place where a bunch of whipped creamings happened, not a suspect, just a person of interest. We just would like to chat with him. That's all. Um Oh, I have the emails also. Uh, I got a bunch of emails that came in after the program yesterday about the bike gang. So uh, y'all can, uh, if this was a topic that bored you, uh, you can tune out now. Uh, so I've got, uh, let's see here. This was this one was from Brett, who said, Pete, surely our mayor deserves some credit if we're naming the bike gangs in South End and Uptown. How about Vise Angels? I like it. Vise Angels. Um Pedal Pushers came from Dave. Heels on Wheels was another one. Um, The Road Rash Wannabes was another one. And... Oh, and I did get this. This was on an earlier discussion on the mayonnaise, which... um, Well, hang on. Before I read the mayo one, let me do... Oh, yeah, here we are. I got this other one. This one came from Mike. This was on the the, uh, the bike gangs, too. Uh, Mike says, I know I'm late to the party, but uh, how about we call the mischievous kids on bikes boogers? According to Johnny Fever, WKRP, it is okay to say booger on the air. And it stands for biker operating offensively, getting excessively rambunctious. That is a booger. 
I suggest the cops who patrol on bikes work south end to uptown to catch the boogers. Uh, let me see here. And then I got another, I got another person who, uh, agreed with the, uh, the emailer yesterday who said that they were bored with my show. I, I was boring, uh, the topic of the bike gangs, accosting people, beating up people, uh, I, that this was a boring topic. And I got a, 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 a second to that, uh, notion, which was, uh, from Deborah who said, Pete, I second the email regarding today's show. A few minutes on this would have been great, but not ours. Same on the mayonnaise. Signed, Most Days Listener. Um, so she mentioned the uh, uh, she mentioned the mayo. So let me go back to this email from Shan, who said, Pete, I was just listening to that podcast, and you stated your purpose was not to, quote, dump on ketchup. I humbly disagree, sir. I think your secret agenda was formulated early in life. Get a job in communications, use that facade of politics, and then dump on ketchup. Because I care, I just want you to be forewarned that the lords of ketchup are displeased. Their ire is to be respected, sir. In a related matter, these gangs of unsettled bikists could be brought to heel by the distribution of ketchup packets, for it is well known that ketchup brings peace to all. Mayo only leads to world strife, racism, unsettled bikers, and inflation. Always a loyal fan, signed Shan. That is a wrap for the show today. Winter Bowl coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.